Hi, welcome to episode 469 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, the Pace Pot Pete of podcasting. I'm really lame, but I keep coming back. Today, the 469th issue of the Fantastic Four is Fantastic Four Volume 3, number 40, from April 2001. Into the Breach, by Carlos Pacheco, with Raphael Marin. So the Baxter Building has landed, back in its old spot in New York City, and the press goes wild. Helicopters everywhere, reporter Trish Trilby is on the scene, photographer Peter Parker is taking some pictures, Jimmy Olsen is nearby, doing whatever it is that he does, another reporter, a guy from the network SNN, and some other reporters do a live tour of the building. The doors open, and they head into the lobby, a big, empty lobby. And then the Fantastic Four appear, riding on an invisible platform, along with a guy from Damage Control and a dude named Terry Allen from the mayor's office. How much money does Reed have to bribe? I mean, how much money does Reed have to donate to a politician's campaign to get these damn New York politicians to allow their headquarters to be in the middle of Manhattan? I bet it's a lot. The reporters ask Reed what's next, and he replies that they need to make sure the building is secure. It's the Baxter Building. It will never be secure. So far, the Fantastic Four have had three headquarters all destroyed. Why would New Yorkers welcome headquarters number four? Sue leads the reporters outside to answer their questions. That was a very short tour of the building. And a guy from Damage Control says to Ben, I'm to give you a message from someone at the office. Ben replies, Yeah, what's my pal Lenny got to say for himself? And the Damage Control guy says, Oh, it's not from Lenny. Seems Miss Kathleen O'Mara says it'd be okay if you called on her. I bet Ben was hoping to hear from Lenny. Oh, Kathleen O'Mara, you better not be sitting by your phone waiting for that call. It's going to be a long wait. Upstairs in the Baxter building, Noah Baxter is working on the Negapod and communicating with uh, Jedediah, who might be his son. Jedediah asks, Permission to speak freely, sir and ask what Noah plans to do next. Noah replies that after this he's going home, saying that he misses Abby and he misses Kansas, and he misses being left alone. Reed and Sue enter the room, and Noah tells Reed he's finished his work on the negative zone chamber, and the only thing left to do is for Reed to make his final calibrations. Noah's ready to leave, and Reed suggests they have many other projects to work on, but Noah nips the idea in the bud, saying that he's taught Reed everything he knows. Next, he tells Sue to take good care of Reed and to watch out for this Gideon Trust group. Like she needs to be told that. He says goodbye, and they teleport him up to the space station Alexandria. Back with Ben, he's unpacked his stuff in his new room. I assume that in this Baxter building, he and Johnny won't have to share a bed. Ben mentions that he doesn't have any clothes to wear as Ben Grimm, and he proceeds to turn back into his human self. I kind of like that he can turn back and forth. We're long past the point where Ben Grimm being stuck as a thing can generate any pathos or sympathy. Maybe it's because I've read so many issues, but I feel like the whole idea has run its course. Johnny suggests that he go shopping with Alicia and ask what's going on with her. Ben tells him to butt out. Meanwhile, in the negative zone, the Gideon Trust Group has arrived to start their little mining operation. But as you can imagine, Blastar and Annihilus show up and are not happy. Go figure! 
this mining operation will bring jobs to the negative zone. Jobs! But Blastar and Annihilus are just a couple of liberal tree-hugging hippies who hate capitalism and probably voted for Ralph Nader. It's all well and good to sit in your ivory tower with your cosmic control rod, but what about the average, hard-working citizen of the negative zone? What about their energy needs? So Annihilus and Blastar and their yellow-eyed purple people-eaters attack the group from the Gideon Trust, but the Gideon folks fight back. One guy in a suit of silver armor starts duking it out with Blastar, and this flying silver object swoops in and slices off Annihilus's hand and wraps a wire around his neck, covers him in ice, and knocks him out. The guy who threw that silver object comes over victorious. Why, it's Pace Pot Pete. Now, basically, a badass. Pete's got a new outfit with brown and yellow and a red helmet. We see that Blastar has been taken out by the guy in silver armor, and the rest of the purple monsters have been defeated as well. And you're probably saying to yourself, Holy crap! Pacepot Pete just defeated Annihilus? One of the mightiest FFOs of all time? How is that possible? Well, a voice comes in and says, End hologram sequence, Nega 2402. So that's how it's possible. It's not real. Just a holographic training exercise. Back at headquarters of the Gideon Trust, Pete and the rest of the mining crew have been training for the real mining mission. The people at Gideon debate whether or not to begin, and they decide to get the mission to give the mission the green light. The mining crew get into a couple of ships that are sent off into the negative zone. And back at the Baxter building, Reed hears a racket and runs in to see what's going on. Noah comes on the communicator and tells the FF that the Gideon Trust, along with another old FF villain, Janice, from back in FF 108 or so, have entered the negative zone, but the infrastructure of the zone is unstable, and if broken open, it could shred the universe. Has anything good come out of Reed's discovery of the negative zone? There's been a lot of bad shit. I mean, a lot of it. And it's all been pretty much Reed's fault. He needs to find another hobby, because opening up doors to dangerous alternate universes has never worked out very well. Ben suggests they send off a flare to contact Johnny. Ah, it's 2001. No more flares. Johnny should have a cell phone by now, right? Wrong. Nope. What Johnny has is a communicator on the chest symbol of his costume. However, we see that Johnny isn't wearing his costume back at Hawk Plaza practicing martial arts with the director of the Human Torch movie. His Fantastic Four costume is hanging up in a closet and he doesn't hear the chest symbol when it beeps. Up on the Alexandria space station, Noah has decided not to go home yet and stay and help the FF for a while, if he can. I still don't understand why Reed's old college professor is commanding a space station on the dark side of the moon. This is not normally the career path of a college professor. Back at the Baxter building, Reed, Sue, and Ben are in the capsule, ready to enter the negative zone. Reed is pissed off. He says, I can't understand it. Johnny was given explicit instructions not to remove his costume. So Reed has found a communication device even more impractical than a flare. A costume you should never take off. So their capsule drops into the negative zone, and they quickly find the two ships belonging to the Gideon Trust, led by Pacepot Pete. They fire off at the they fire at the FF ship, destroying it, and Reed, Sue, and Ben are now floating out there in the negative zone space. And the three of them get sucked into some kind of vortex. Pete says their work is done and they can move on. Meanwhile, in the vortex, 
the FF find this giant winged dragon creature that got sucked in along with them, and they hop on its back. But the dragon is missing one wing, so no matter how hard it flaps, nothing happens. So Sue creates an invisible wing on the other side of the dragon, and they flap together, and the creature, along with the FF, fly up out of the vortex back into negative, back into regular negative zone space. Oh, I kind of like this stuff. This is classic, crazy-ass, weird, Fantastic Four adventure-type stuff. So the winged creature rejoins his friends and family, and all the creatures make this cackling musical noise together, and open up a dimensional wormhole, and they fly inside, taking Reed, Sue, and Ben with them. On the other side, Reed has no idea where they are, but the dragon creature drops the FF off on this deserted rock planet toyed. Ben goes over to find a bathroom, and instead... He finds what appears to be the remains of an old Earth wooden sh- wooden sailing ship called the Pandora. And back in New York, Johnny is flying across the city, holding his beeping FF uniform and saying to himself, Please, please, please tell me I'm not too late. Eh, he's too late. And that's the end of the issue. And I must say that so far, I'm enjoying the Carlos Pacheco issues a great deal. I love his artwork, and I like what they're doing with the Gideon Group. They've purchased Reed's inventions, and they're trying to use the technology to mine the negative zone, which is nice when the bad guys have a clear, understandable purpose. You gotta have a, and there's a little mystery going on with who this Noah guy is and what he's up to. And I like Ben being able to, tr- to switch back and forth from being human to thing. And they've been teasing the return of Alicia Masters, and she has been gone a very, very long time, so probably it is time to bring her back. I'm curious as to why Reed and Sue seem to have forgotten about their kid. Franklin, or their other kid, Valeria, if she still exists, or maybe she got marriage jaded out of existence. I don't remember exactly what happens to her at this point. So if you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. You never know.